0: A bit sick. But uh I believe God did that on purpose cuz I wanna talk about it. It, co- it covers that. Uh Just a quick question, who went to the Hill Song thing Tuesday? Yeah, that thing was awesome. That's all I wanted to say. But uh I'll I'll, I'll talk about it later. Uh I have a God's been uh, speaking to me a lot the past couple of weeks and I have a lot to say, so I just kind of wanna uh, just pray and really just uh, dig into the word and dig into uh, what God spoke. Uh, God, we just invite you to this place right now. We thank you for for this opportunity that we have to to gather here together on a Friday night. God. we thank you that. Uh, you've opened our eyes, God, that you've showed us the truth, God, and, and we're, we're up here in this church, God, on a Friday night, God. We're not out in some club, God. We're not out at a party, God, but we're here in church, God, and we are going to receive your word, God, and we're going to receive revelation from you, and we just thank you for this opportunity, God. God, I just pray, God, that that the words that will be spoken today, God, I pray that they will fall on good soil, God. I pray that, that, that your word will be spoken. I pray, God, that that double-edged sword, God, it would, it would cut up inside of us, God, inside every single one of us, God, and cause us to change and cause us to, to, to rely more and more on you, Lord. We thank you, and we just invite you to this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, I'm kind of going to be all over the place today, so if you're going to try to follow me on your Bible, you, you're going to have a horrible night. So I'm going to tell you scripture. You can write it down. You can try to keep up, but it'll be really difficult. Uh, pretty much the past couple of weeks, I've been going through a very uh, difficult uh, time. And right now, my health is going through a difficult time. But it's okay. It's all good. And uh, going through these uh, valleys and going through these uh, difficult moments in life, you kind of always have that question, God, why? Why is this happening, God? Why? And you know the answer. You know, it's, you know, you know that you go through these moments to form you to break you, to humble you. You know, the list goes on and on. But you still have that question. You're like, God, why is this happening again? What, what am I doing wrong now? What do I need to fix in my life now? What are you trying to get my attention to now? And, uh, and, and at one point, it's like, I don't know, I almost got really discouraged. And I'm almost like, man, this is never going to stop. This is never going to. And, uh, and I just kind of kind of heard this phrase in my head over and over again. That's what I wanted to title this message. This message is called "You Can Do It," just four simple words. You can do it, and this is not going to be like a, a sermon that you would hear on TBN, where I'll tell you that you could put anything that you put your mind to, and God is great, and is great, and and, is, and his love endures forever, and he's graceful, and he's gonna, and you can do it. No, but you can do it. You can do it, and you'll see what I mean by that. Uh, hopefully, towards the end. Uh, the first point: it's not easy, but it's possible. It's not easy, but it's possible. Philippians 4.13. I know you have guys heard me say that, that verse a lot. A lot of preachers say that verse. It's a very powerful verse. And I don't know, once you really dig deep into it and, and get it into your life, it'll change the course of your life. It'll change the way you look at everything. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, notice it doesn't say I can do all things through my own strength, through my own power, through my own talents, through my own understanding and stuff. It says I can do all things through Christ, which is what Pastor has been preaching about. He's preached about being in Christ, through Christ, in Christ. You're still kind of, you know, in Jesus. And uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to, to get to a point in your life where, uh, where, where you'll, you'll be like John, Apostle John, where you'll always be next to Jesus. You'll always be here in his voice, here in his commands. It's not easy to get to that level, but it's possible. It's possible for us to get and to, and to grow and to mature as Christians. And uh, uh, I think Demo was just talking about this grace, grace. You know, God's grace is enough for us. A lot of times we get discouraged, we, we, we battle a sin, we struggle with something, we go through difficult times and we start getting discouraged. And we start trying to do these things on our own and we're trying to gain victory with our own strength and our own powers. And that's good because at one point you'll get really tired and you'll put your hands down and then God's like, okay, now I can start working in you. Now that you're, your hard little head is broken, now that you realize that you're nothing, I can start doing something in you. And you know, God's, God's grace, it's like it's always there. It's always there. But, but for it to be activated in our lives, we have to, I don't even know how to say this right, but we have to kind of like make the right choices in our life for his grace to, to activate. What I mean by that is uh, say you're struggling with something, you can't just try to come up mentally with a plan and system on how to defeat this or how to get this new character trait what you have to do is you just have to go at it in, in prayer. That's what I learned. You just have to go after it in prayer. Just, you know, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, it says we're, we're fighting a war, not against flesh and against blood. We're fighting against something in the spiritual realm. And a lot of times we try to do all these things, and we try, okay, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this. But we kind of miss the big point. We kind of miss the fact that, that, that God's grace is there for us. And all we really have to do is really reach out and to really see it for us to be free from these sins. I'll kind of uh, explain that more, but at the same time, at the same time, like I said in the beginning, I don't want, I don't want this uh, message to kind of be like a hyper grace message, where we think everything is covered by grace, and we don't have to do nothing, and, and you know, you can sin and do whatever you want, because it's covered by grace. No, no, that's, uh, that's something that a lot of churches are talking about, but we don't believe that in our church, because that, that's not what the Word of God says, and you know, and there's a, Two words, two words that we get mixed up a lot of times. We get mercy and grace mixed up. We think it's kind of the same thing. Uh, I, I, I found this thing that, that kind of uh, defines the difference. It says mercy, mercy is you don't get what you deserve. All of us are sinners. All of us deserve death. Pretty much God's mercy is that he's not killing us right now and we're all breathing. But grace is something a little bit different. Grace is you getting something that you don't deserve there's a little bit of a difference. Mercy is you don't get what you deserve, and grace is you getting something that you don't deserve. And and like I said, God's grace is there for us to be free, for us to be victorious, for us to walk in victory, for us to walk with the Spirit. But at the same time, something inside of us has to kind of click, and we can't just kind of sit back and not do anything. And at the same time, we can't rely on our own strength. So it's kind of that, 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 that middle ground, that balance, where we're Where we're fighting from our end, but at the same time we realize that we are nothing, and our and our victory comes from God. It's a very thin line, and uh, we read about uh, King Ahab. I wasn't even recently; maybe a couple weeks ago, we read about King Ahab, and it says he was the worst king in all of Israel. It's just the history; he was just terrible. He was just the worst king, and in 1 Kings chapter 21 verse 29, there's a moment where Ahab actually managed to humble himself. He actually managed to say, God, I'm weak. I'm not as great as I thought. And what's amazing is that even though he was the worst and most evil king in the history of ever, God was merciful to him. God was gracious to him. God said, you know what? Just because you humbled me, all those terrible things that should happen to you, they'll happen at a later time. They'll still happen to your dynasty. You you don't get to kind of uh, trick God and God I'm humble now and, and you know and avoid all the consequences and stuff. Sometimes we do have to pay the consequences for our mistake. But because he humbled himself, God reacted. God responded, and God and God blessed him in that manner. Uh, I remember when that uh, pastor from Armenia came, uh, Armenian, Armen Gasparian, Whew. that dude. And and he just said this powerful thing. He said a lot of times we want results. We don't want to do the work to get those results. A lot of times we look at, at King David or we look at the life of somebody great and we're like, I want to be like that. But we don't realize what they had to go through to get to where they are. We don't realize the struggles that that person had to go through, the battles, the, the, the fighting himself, fighting his desires to get to that place where he is. A lot of times we just, we just look over that, and we, and we want the results. We want to see change. We want to just become like robots and wake up on time and do all these things and, and be robotic about our schedule, and no minute is wasted. But we don't want to do the work. We just want it to somehow magically, magically come to us by God's grace. It doesn't work like that. And our second point is uh, just, just a word that I know God spoke personally to me, but I just felt like I need to share it. Be ruthless with your flesh ruthless. Now those of you who know the English language, ruthless it's not a very nice word. If I call David, if I say you're ruthless, you're not a very nice person. Don't don't go like this. It's not a good thing. <laughs> David. Be ruthless with your flesh. Ruthless is a word that pretty much means just like raw, hard, merciless, just without any compassion, without any forgiveness. You're just full on just like hate and anger and just everything against your flesh. Be ruthless with your flesh. Uh, there's a lot of things that you could say about this. There's a lot of different ways you could go at it. Uh, one thing one thing that God opened up to me is uh, we have to face our challenges. We have to face our challenges. A lot of time, we try to run away. We try to hide. We try to avoid uh, things that that are just well, it's inevitable for us to fight them. We can't avoid them. You know, if we, if we keep hiding and avoiding, we'll just start backsliding and we'll just miss out on God's great blessing in our life and God's will in our life. We have to face the challenges in our life. It's so sad when you see, uh, when you see people that, 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 that were walking with you, that were fighting with you, and at one point they just stopped fighting. They started hiding. They started avoiding everybody. They started running away, and it's sad when you look at them now because it's like, man, you're missing out on something big. So we have to face our challenges. I was thinking about uh, Adam and Eve, and, and when they sinned, their reaction wasn't to repent before God and ask for forgiveness and say, God, we messed up. Woman kind of tricked me, but we both messed up. And, and uh, no, their, their reaction was, oh, man, we wear no clothes. What? God's coming. We got to hide. And, and that was their reaction. And it's really sad that that's like, that's the first dude. Those are the first people on earth. They represent us. And it's like, man, they're so pathetic, they're, they're losers. How could they? It's sad because we do the same thing sometimes. We don't want to face our challenges. We want to we try to hide. Instead of, instead, of, instead of seeing that problem in our life and just starting to go at it and starting to battle it, we try to avoid we try to we, we, we find these things and we just start hiding, and we think that we can avoid things. And, and it's really sad because we think it works. And we don't realize. Oh man, it's a lot tighter here than I thought. And we don't realize that God sees us. And at one point we hear a poof, <laughs> poof, Adam? Shh! Eve, be quiet, stop talking. Adam! I know you're hiding back there. And you just kind of. <laughs> yeah? Why are you hiding down there? Uh. <laughs> You know, just laying cool, laying low. And it's, and it's funny. It's a funny situation. But in reality, that's how we are a lot of times. We just avoid things and we hide and we, try to, and, and we try to kind of sweep these things under the carpet. You'll never have victory in your life unless you start facing that thing that you're battling. Man, I cut myself up. Y'all, y'all better remember that <laughs> and face your challenges and it's crazy i was thinking about adam and i was just i, I share this i think at Ilya's uh, school club it's amazing how much potential adam had like look around the room right now look at all the different people look at all the uh different physical qualities people have the different talents that people have now if you guys look at it from a genetical point, man i'm losing my breath <laughs> if you guys look at it from a genetical point of view do you guys know how genetics work Pretty much you are a mixture of your two parents. You pretty much get half of your dad, half of your mom, boom, shakalaka, and you got you. And if we look at it, everything, every single person that is here today came from Adam and Eve. Every single talent, every single capability that we have, it was all in Adam. And it's amazing that he just threw all that away because he didn't want to face the challenge. He didn't want to admit that he did something wrong. It's just sad. And, and, you, and you know what I want to say at the same time? We have potential in us too. We have potential to do something great in this world. We put limits on ourselves a lot of times. We put ourselves in a box. We say, God, I want to do this, I want to do this, but we don't really believe it. We're saying, God, I can't, I can't wait till that moment where, where I'll be walking down the street and I'll just start preaching to people and start, they'll start being saved, but you don't really believe That can happen to you. Because it won't happen to you. Until you realize that God is the one doing it. Because. We can't do that kind of stuff ourselves. And a lot of times we're stuck in the mindset. Of trying to do things ourselves. And we have to realize that God is. Is the author. Of of everything that is good in this world. And everything that good that we can do. We can't be driven by. By. Just like emotions and feelings that, that, you know, we do something wrong and, and, man, there are so many feelings that could just start taking over your mind and they can control, and they can control it. And feelings are like something that's temporary. Feelings are temporary. You know, feel, you, know you, you listen to a song, you're happy. You talk to somebody, you're sad. You talk to somebody else and you're really mad. You talk to somebody, you get happy again. You get encouraged. You get discouraged. You get sad. You get angry. And these things just happen like this. You just switch just with different situations in our life. And when you are controlled by things like that, that's, that's what your life is going to be. It's just going to be like this. Up, down, up, down, 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 up, 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 down, 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 down. And that's all you're ever going to be. And you're never going to be able to because your emotions are all over the place. And you're all over the place. And you're not rooted in anything. You're not firm in anything. You're not, you're not standing on the rock. You're standing on something flimsy. And at any point is going to break and you're going to fall. That's what happens when we rely on emotions. I want to talk about a, a certain a disciple that a lot of times we don't talk about in our church. We always talk about Peter. We talk about John. We talk about Judas. I want to talk about Thomas today. I, I, sh- I shared this with, uh, with, with guys for strength. I want to talk about Thomas. Thomas was an interesting man. He was a man who was I don't even know the right way. He was just just always full of doubt. Have you ever, it's like every single thing that he said, and I don't know, every time you read his words, it's like just like depression oozes out of him, just like this negative spirit. He just brings everybody around him down. He's so doubtful himself. He has no faith in anything. He doesn't believe, and it's like he says these things. and just. Have you ever met a person like that? Where it's like every single thing they say, they just bring you down, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I don't want to be around this person anymore. I'm starting to get sad. Yeah, if you if you're like that man we we going to pray at the end but seriously it's it's you know there's these people it's, it's just like every single word they say it's just like oh life sucks everything sucks this sucks i can't do this i can't do that my grades in school suck i don't have any friends and they're just go on and the list goes on and you're like dude i got to go i don't want to it's rude if I leave because I don't want to be like you and be annoying and rude, but I got to go. And it's, oh, and that's and when, I, when I read about Thomas, that's what it seems like he was all the time. You know, at one point, Jesus is like, OK, now I got to go to Jerusalem. I got to die, but I'll be back in three days. Don't worry. And Thomas is like, oh, I guess we're all going to go die with him. It's like he's the Messiah. He's the son of God. Oh, world. <laughs> I knew this would happen. And. And it's just he's just this character who's always hopeless, who's always in doubt, and and I thought about that moment when when uh, we just read this in John, we read this in John, and it's when in John uh, we, this place we can actually open up to John chapter twenty, verse twenty four. The book of John chapter twenty, and this is when uh when, when the disciples all got together uh, after Jesus was crucified. And uh, actually, not verse 24. Let's go to, yeah, actually, yeah, it is verse 24. This is after Jesus appeared to them the first time. And it says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And, I just, and this thought just started running through my head. I'm like, why was Thomas not with the other disciples at that time? Why were the other ten disciples, because Judas wasn't with them anymore, why were the other ten disciples there at that point, but Thomas was not with them? And I just started trying to think and see things from, from, from the perspective of Thomas. And just imagine, you're a guy who's full of doubt. You're a guy who has no faith. And you, just, and, and, and you kind of had this spark of hope that Jesus is the Messiah, and he's going to be the Savior of Israel, and everything's going to be great. And then you watch as he is crucified, and he dies. Imagine, you're a person full of doubt. And I can just imagine what he was like for, for those three days where he's just, he's just probably alone walking around wondering somewhere he's like man what just happened these past three years this guy was doing all these crazy things he was healing I saw these weird people start rolling on the ground and foam coming out of their mouth and then they're getting freed of demons and they're getting healed and legs are growing and people who were blind start seeing and now this dude is dead I thought he was the messiah I thought he was the savior I thought he was going to come and redeem Israel I thought he was going to come and do this and you can imagine all these thoughts rolling through his head with all this doubt and I if I'll be completely honest if I was in Thomas Shoes I probably wouldn't be with the disciples either you're just full of doubt you you're like what just happened what's amazing is it is in verse 25 it says the disciples came to him and says we have seen the lord but he replied i won't believe it until i see the nail wounds in his hands put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound on his side the word of god says don't test god right it says don't tempt god and if we read this later on it's verse 26 8 days later the disciples were together again and this time thomas was with them Doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be to you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And I started thinking, I'm like, why did Jesus have this kind of reaction? I mean, Thomas just pretty much blatantly said that he doesn't believe the dude that just did all these miracles for three years. He says, I don't believe in this guy anymore. I I won't believe it until I see it. And I'm like, Well, then why did Jesus have this kind of reaction? Why didn't Jesus come back angry and, Thomas, you faithless. That's like my reaction. I don't know. That's what I would probably do. But Jesus came up to him and he said, here, put your finger here. Here, put your hand in my side. And and what was interesting is in verse 26, it says, this time Thomas was with them. And I was just thinking about that. And pretty much what this means is even though he didn't really believe, even though he was full of doubt, he was able to overstep that he was able to step over those feelings those emotions he was able to overstep that doubt and he's like i'll give it another try i'll give it another try and when you come before god with that kind of attitude you'll be able to say to say i want to put my hand my finger in your hand god when you're not being prideful and arrogant about it jesus will actually be like here You know, when you come with humility, when you come with understanding that Jesus is Lord, and even though I'm really doubting right now, even though it's difficult right now, I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep believing, and I'm going to keep waiting for my miracle. To overstep over that, I remember, I remember when, uh, uh, like a month ago, when Nina Malamura died. uh, I remember that Sunday, that Sunday service. And I remember during worship, I was just I just looked over at this section of the church and I just looked at Tanya, Pastor Tanya, I looked at Allah, and I looked at Pasha Stifogla. And I just wanted to see what are they gonna do during worship. And as soon as worship started, they started worshiping. All of them. Their sister died like four days ago. And they're just worshiping there. And I even wrote down the songs. The first song that they were singing was Khalitsi Khalitsi Boga Nibies. And the second song was And I'm just looking over there And you know those are the kind of people That you want to be around Those are the kind of people That you can learn something from Because you understand that that Their situation That the way they stand before God Is not based on what's happening In their life at the moment There's something deep There's something rooted and and you know, worship is just—it's a lot of times it's like it could be your escape, because when you're worshiping, you're not worried about anything else. You're just one-on-one with God. And I went to a a Chris Tomlin concert in in April, and then we went to this Hillsong United uh, concert on Tuesday. And you know, when you go to these types of events, these kinds of con these kinds of conferences—they're they're not concerts. They're not really. Uh, like a worship service it's not just flowing and and you know when when, and I realize when I go to these events there are two choices I can make either I'm going to be skeptical I'm going to criticize and I'm going to say this isn't right this isn't right they should have done this they should have done this or I'm going to be like in the time I do have to worship I'm just going to worship I'm just going to close my eyes I'm just going to lift my hands lights are cool music is cool but I'm just going to worship and I remember when we were at the Chris Tomlin concert, uh, Carrie Job was there in the beginning, and, and she started singing Hosanna. And, like, the first chord that hit the first note she sang, man, I just felt like, like this fire just came over me. It was so powerful. Just because you make that decision in your mind, you're like, I don't care what's around, I'm just going to worship. It's weird, I got this dude that kind of smells like uh, McDonald's on my right, and, but I'm just going to keep worshiping. I'm going to lift up my hands, and I'm going to worship. Maybe it was the McDonald's that kicked in, I don't know. <laughs> no, I wasn't. You know, when you make that decision on, at, the, at the Hillsong concert, man, there was, you know, at the beginning, I was kind of doing that battle. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like how they're doing this. Why are the lights so bright? Why is the music so loud? Weiser v- was, was there next to me, and he had this, uh, this thing that measures loudness of music. And it said they were uh, playing, at, at one point, they were playing at 116 decibels. I know 100%, uh, 90% of you don't know what that means. 116 decibel. Let me just uh, kind of break it down. I, I wrote this something on Instagram. The maximum that we're allowed to play here in our church during youth, during praise when we're screaming is 90. 90. That's maximum. If you go over that, they're scared of, of our things getting messed up. 90. They were at 116. And even Vi- Vice is there and his wife Luda is there. And at one point they were just sitting like this. Because it, it was loud. You know, it was really loud. And, and I'm like, man, why is the music so, okay, I like loud music, I like all this, I like all these songs, but why is it this loud, I can't even focus, I can't, and at one point I'm like, you know what, forget all that, forget all that, and I just closed my eyes, and I remember there, there was this one point, man, they were playing, Who Who Anton, what's that song where they get really intense, with everything, oh man, Who oh man, I don't even know what happened to me there. It was like, it was like kind of one of those songs where it just starts kind of quiet and it's building up and it just builds up for a really long time. And then at one point there's like this, <gasps> and, then, and man, it was just so intense. And then at one point, the most amazing thing for me at this conference is, is during this song, there was kind of like a long instrument and they just started praying. They're like, pray for your city, pray for your school, pray for this. And you could just see just waves of people praying, hands up in the air. And it's just like one of those moments where you're like, man, and I could just be sitting here criticizing, you know, like, oh, this is all based on emotions. Eh, this is all, nah, nah, this is, the teaching is wrong. Why are they talking like this? Or you can make the decision, you know what, I'm just going to worship and I'm just going to be united with this. Because the word of God says Unle, unless we see negative fruit, we can't really judge something. And there was no negative fruit. I didn't see any negative fruit that night. Everybody's in worship. Everybody's in praying. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be united with this body of Christ that came all the way from Australia to Seattle. And, and I'm just going to worship with them because God gave them a gift and, and, and a revelation of worship. And you just get into that and something just starts changing in you. Something starts changing. Starts, something starts shifting. When that shift happens in your mind where it's no longer emotion, it's no longer how you feel. It's just when Jim Anderson came, he said this powerful thing to the men. He said, men don't do what is real men don't do what is easy they do what is right they do what is right and when you get in that kind of mentality a lot of things change in your life a lot of times we get uh we get discouraged and uh you know i believe that you know this kind of discouragement this 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 fear kind of of the future this is all a a, a tactic this is all a tactic that satan uses to try to kind of knock you off track to try to distract you and uh and there's this phrase that is repeated over over 10 times i i did this search on the internet and one version said 11 one version said 14 15 one said 31 anyways over 10 times this phrase is repeated be strong and courageous be strong and courageous be strong and courageous be this was spoken to joshua before he was about to become the leader of israel david said this to his son solomon when when, when he was kind of handing down he, he, handing him the baton and saying you know you're next be strong and courageous. And, you know, courage is something that comes to us from God. Courage is a trait of God. Courage, boldness, strength, that's something that God gives you. Discouragement, hopelessness, fear, shame, those are all things that Satan tries to use. And, you know, and discouragement, courage, discourage, courage. You know, it's kind of, kind of two opposites. And, and, and courage and, uh, and, and uh, just kind of, you know, we have fears. Who here has a fear of anything? You're scared of something, just like something physical: spiders, snakes, scorpions, heights, water, boats, flying. Okay. Uh, you know, you know what I I heard and I did some research and I realized I'm like, wow, this is actually a really good point. We're not really scared of all those things. Now you're probably saying, Noah, how do you know that much about me? And I'll I'll break it down for you, because you're not really scared of spiders. You're afraid of that spider biting you, poisoning you, and you dying. You're not afraid of heights. You're afraid of falling down and dying. You're not afraid of water. You're afraid of drowning and dying. Pretty much all those fears can be put up in a bundle of you're really scared to lose your life, your physical life. You're scared to die. Why else would would you be afraid of heights? I just don't feel comfortable at heights. Why don't you feel comfortable at heights? All these people feel comfortable at heights. I just don't feel comfortable. It's because you're scared to fall down and And to die. And and you and you know, at one point I was really scared of heights. I did not do roller coasters. I when we went to Wild Waves one time, I went on that like little silly one. I couldn't even go on the big wooden one. I couldn't even go on Timberhawk. I was just, you guys go ahead. It's 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 cool. I got feet, I wanna walk, it's I wanna live. And I remember a couple of years ago, me and Dennis are like, let's go to Idaho, let's go to Silverwoods, and I'm like if I tell him I don't want to go to Silverwoods, he's going to know that I'm afraid of roller coasters. He's going to know that I'm afraid of heights. And he's never going to let me hear the end of it. He's going to tell everybody. Everybody's going to know I'm afraid. I'm like, okay, let's go Silverwood. And we drive that, what, four and a half, five hours. We drive to Silverwood. We get there, and we're like, yeah, yeah. this. And Dennis is like, yeah, he's excited. And I'm like, <laughs> and I remember, and Dennis is like, okay, let's go on this thing. And it was that, 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 that green and blue one. It's on the back of some Pepsi can's. Whoo, that thing is intense. And I remember and, and Dennis is like, let's go on that and I'm like, Yeah. Let's whew. And I remember and Dennis is like sitting there and he's like, Oh yeah, and I'm like, I can't get out now, he's gonna kill me. Okay, and I'm like sitting there in that car, and Dennis is like, yeah, and I'm like And that thing starts and you're like who and for the first like twenty seconds you're like uh, uh, huh. And then at one point it stops and you're like okay now we're gonna slowly go back Nope you're doing the same thing backwards and phew and you know, by the end of that day, I was over my fear of heights. And you know, and one thing we could say, that's just a silly little physical thing. It's just, it's, it's okay for you to, you know what? I, after that, I really don't believe it's okay for us to be afraid of these things. I really don't. Because when we're afraid of these things, it means we're not fully trusting God. It means there's a little ounce of doubt in us that God won't protect us when we're on that roller coaster, when we're in that location, when we're in that situation. And even those little things, I realized, man, I got to start fighting these things. I got to start just getting all these things out because they're, little, like, inkless. They're little, tiny things, but it's still doubt. It's still fear. I'm still not fully trusting God. And, you know, fear is a tactic that Satan just uses He's a fear. Be scared of this. Be scared of this. Be scared of the way um, people think about you. Be scared of this. Be scared of the way they look. Be scared of what they might think when they look at you, and when you raise up your arm, what they might think in those situations. And, you know, and it gets to some people. It really does. And, you know, fear is just something we got to get out. God said be strong and be courageous. Those are the traits of God, to be strong and to be courageous. Okay, feelings and emotions are one thing. Another way that we just got to be ruthless to ourselves is uh, in obedience, in obedience. I know I've spoken about this before. I know you guys heard it a lot, but I just, I know we just need to speak more and more about obedience. Obedience to, to God, first and foremost, and obedience to our leaders, to our parents, to to the people of authority in our lives. And uh, Israel, how you say, were are not very obedient. I don't, they were just, when you think of Israel like in the Bible, there are so many words that just come to your mind. And, you know, if this was a word, that would probably be one of them because you're just like want to grab them and just, what are you guys doing? He just did all these amazing things for you guys, and you're doubting again. Just, uh, Israel wasn't the most obedient of the bunch. And, and at one point, they're like, God, everybody else has a king. We want a king. God's kind of like, Would you, what am I to you? Uh, well, you're God, but we want a king. Okay, I'll give you a king. So I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. This whole king thing didn't work out very well for the most part did not work out very well. There were a few exceptions. We read about uh, Hezekiah today in, in our reading plan. He, whew, he was, if every king was like that, I would bite my lip. I'd be like, no, the king's idea was good. Good job, Israel. But they weren't all like that. Uh, we read about uh, Rehoboam. He was Solomon's son. And it says that when he became king, you know, elders came up to him and they're like, hey, you should do this. This is wise advice. And then he's like, oh, okay, let me think about it. And then he went and asked his friends that he grew up with. And he's like, they seem to know what they're talking about. They, they, they know. And he decided to follow the advice of his friends instead of the elder. You don't, just on a side note, you don't need to be getting advice from your best friend that you grew up with, from sixth grade, because they're just as dumb as we are. They don't. If, if we're in a situation where we need advice and we don't know what we're doing, then the dude that's the same age as us probably won't know what to do. We need wise counsel. That was one example of a bad king. Uh, There was Jehoram, and it says he didn't follow the examples of his dad, Jehoshaphat, or his grandfather, Asa. And he died of an internal disease. Who wants to die of an internal disease? (laughs) Okay, no hands up. Praise God. (laughs) Another bad. Then we read about Joash, and you're like, okay, Joash, he was a good king, right? He was a good king when he had, I don't even know how to say this dude's name, Jehoiada. When he had Jehoiada as his leader, then he was a good king. And this is kind of like a whole other message, but this Jehoiada dude was so wise and amazing and close to God that even though he wasn't king himself, when he died, he was buried among kings. And when Joash had counsel from this dude, he was a great king. It says says in, in 2 Chronicles 24, verse 2, it says the people loved him. People wanted to do what he was doing. At one point, he's like, hey, let's just give a whole bunch of our own money. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to give you my whole money. Yeah, let's do this thing. Because people get excited because it's God's will and everybody's excited. And even though they have to give parts of themselves up, they're like, yeah, let's do this thing. This is God. This is, we're doing something awesome. And then the dude dies and Joash starts leading on his own. And he never connected with God himself. And because of that, and he didn't have any wise counsel. Terrible, tragic ending. ending. He ended up getting killed by his own people. By his own, his own, his own men. We read about uh, Amaziah, and it says it's a, There was a point where a man of God. I know. There was a moment where a man of God came up to him and gave him advice. And he followed his advice. He's like, okay, that makes sense. That's that's good, wise. And he sent off those soldiers that that he took from, uh. That he hired. Yeah, that he hired from Israel. And he and he's just sent him back. He's like, you know, yeah, it's not a good idea. He sent him back. Second time, the man of God tells him, he's like, hey, you should do this. And at this point, he's like, who are you? Who do you think you are? I'm the king. And he didn't listen to him. How did his life end? Rebellion took over. He was destroyed. He died. Tragic ending, and he wasn't buried among the kings in Jerusalem. Uh, there's a lot more that you could name. I just, I didn't even get into Ahab. I don't even want to get into Ahab. We don't have time to get into Ahab. Just dudes. Don't marry a Jezebel. Whew. That's all I know. I'm not married, but don't marry a Jezebel. Because if Ahab was able to humble himself, it means he wasn't really that bad. The reason he was bad is because that's a different story, okay? King Uzziah. King Uzziah, about him, it says, as long as he got guidance from God, he had success. Just as simple as that. And at one point, boom, leprosy breaks out on him. And. You know, Jesus wasn't back back there then to heal him from leprosy. There was no healing back then. Those are just five kings. You know, the list could go on and on. I could keep naming. Obedience is so important in our lives. Obedience is just so important in our lives. And then, and then, uh, and then I read about a different king, a very obedient king. His name was Jesus. His name was Jesus, and. It's amazing. I heard this thing and then I looked it up online and it seemed to be true. There were over 300 prophecies made about Jesus in the Old Testament. I even found this website that listed 351 of them. It listed the Old Testament place where where a prophecy is made and then the New Testament place where it's revealed. So over 300 prophecies. Now can you explain to me how can one man fulfill 300 prophecies? When his ministry was only three years, I started thinking about Jesus. And and you know, you would think, Jesus, you, you can do all these miracles. You can do all these amazing things. Why aren't you out healing more? Why aren't you out healing more? Why aren't you out doing all these miracles? He would always find time to be a weirdo, to go off from everybody and just start praying there to God. It's like, Jesus, people are dying. What are you doing? That's where he got his guidance. In those moments where he was alone, where he wasn't around anyone. It was just him and God. In those moments is when he received guidance. That's when God spoke to him, and he's like, Jesus, today, here, here's your to-do, to-do list today. You have to go through Samaria, even though people don't usually go there. And around this time that women usually don't come out, because they all come out in the morning, there's going to be one woman who's going to be really broken. She's going to come out, and you have to talk to her, and you have to tell her that, that you love her, and you've got to tell her that, that I'm the Messiah. Okay and that's how he did all these things you think jesus just okay i'm just going to start going here up this seems like a good direction no he got guidance from god he was obedient to god he was obedient to the little things that god says you know the 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 prophecies about jesus man i was just starting to read these things man a lot of them are in are in like zechariah and and malachi and i just started reading these things and i'm like oh my goodness i never noticed this before but this is jesus this is jesus and it, it talks about how 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 he had to have, have a wound on his side and that and in a way on a side note that symbolizes just like eve was taken from adam the church was birthed when that spear was in Jesus' side the church was born the same way eve was born from adam but you start reading all these prophecies and you're like oh man how can one dude do all this obedience obedience guidance from god being obedient there's the, the uh the Trinity is made up of, of, of three parts. There's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and, and, and the Holy Spirit. And all those things kind of have a role in your life. If we look at God the Father, what, what was his really like main message throughout the Old Testament? Don't sin. Be holy as I am holy. Be pure. Be clean. That was God's message. We, 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 we read about Jesus. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus said, put God above everything and then put others. Not yourself. Jesus kept saying these things where you're just getting broken. You're like, man, how difficult can this get? And then we have the Holy Spirit who is still speaking to us today. He's still giving us these little commands every day of our life. He's saying, go do this. Go speak to this person. Go say this. We have to be obedient to all three of those things. And on a final point, we were... Uh, running out of time, we're gonna finish up here soon. Final point is, uh, like I said in the beginning of this message, I man, you might you might be hearing all this, and you're like, "Oh my goodness, oh my god, you can do it, you can do it." You know why? Because the victory is in the blood. The victory is in the blood of Jesus. When we look, when we look at that cross, and you know, for me, every time I look at it, that's a sign of victory for me. That's a sign of victory. Jesus first and foremost defeated death. He defeated our sins. Like I said one time, that that crown of thorns, it it, it keeps our mind clean. All these little things that happen to Jesus, they're so symbolic. And he, he, you know, his blood is sufficient. It's enough for us. And uh, in Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel chapter 37, in verse 4, there's a story that uh, is just really powerful. I'm hearing about it all over. I'm hearing about it from music, just from random songs I'm finding. And I just, God was speaking to me. And in verse 4, this is God speaking to Ezekiel 37.4. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones. Listen to the word of God. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. And the part that really got to me is when God told Ezekiel, he said, speak. Speak a prophetic message to these bones. A lot of times you're thinking, how do I get this victory? How do I get this? You just got to start speaking, prophesying victory into your life. You know, in these past couple months, my prayer life has just completely changed, just God been giving me these revelation of prayer and I thought maybe to speak about that but it's just all over the place and it's not ready but man just a lot of my times man I'll just, I'll just be in my room for, and just like for, for 15 minutes I'm just repeating the same the same phrase and I'm just prophesying into my life, I'm saying I can't, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't get over this and I'm just praying and God's speaking to me and encouraging me and just gotta start speaking you just got to start speaking. Even if you don't believe it, be like Thomas. Even though you're full of doubt, say, I believe. I believe that I could be walking down the street and the Holy Spirit will just start doing amazing things through me. I believe that I could start doing all these miracles. I believe that I could pray for that guy with a broken leg and that leg will be restored right there on the spot. Just start saying, I believe, until you start believing. Until you get to that shift in your head where, you, where you're believing and it's not just kind of a prayer of faith where it's just a prayer of I know it's going to happen right now. Just speak that victory. Uh, Emmy was over at our house a couple days ago. And I deleted, like, all my games off my phone because so, I don't like her taking my stuff and playing games on there. So she gets my computer. She goes on some La La Loopsie Dolls website, and they have some games. And it's just a simple game where, where there's the – she didn't go on it, I think I'm pretty sure my sister got in there. They might be pulling my leg. And there's just this simple game where there's just these platforms and there's holes in between. And what you pretty much I – I think we've all played games like this. You're, you just have, like, your four arrows. You're walking, and you're trying to jump and not fall into holes. Just a simple game. For a four-year-old, it's a little bit difficult. And, she just, and at one point, I just looked over, and I saw that she fell. She fell in the game. And she just quit the game and closed. And I'm like, Emmy, what are you doing? She goes, I can't make it. What are you talking about? She goes, I can't make it. It's really hard. And you know, this message is kind of in me. And I'm like, no, you open that computer up right now. I'm, no, it's not funny. I'm serious. I'm like, you open that right now. You can do this. You can't just keep giving up in your life. And it's a simple thing. It's like, okay, no, it's just a game. This is a kid. It's these moments that are going to form her, guys. A lot of times we're, we're asked to, to, to look over our younger brother or sister, and we're just kind of playing with them and hanging out, but we're not really doing anything to, to help them grow. And I just started going, you can't do this. And, and she didn't open up the game right there. She started running away. Later on, she goes back to the game, and, I, and I, I'm kind of like keeping my distance, and I see she opened the game again. And she's trying, and she finally made it through that part that she couldn't make it. And I just kind of pop out I'm like, see? I told you, you can do it. And a lot of times, that's what in our life we just have this doubt, and we're like, I can't, it's too hard, I can't. You just need to start. You can. You can have victory in your life. Look at other people who have had uh, a victory through the things that you're struggling with. How is it possible for them and not for you? It's possible, you can. You need to speak these things. When, when, you say, when you say, I can't do this, I can't imagine, imagine God's reaction when he, when he hears you saying, I can't do this. He's probably just holding his head and saying, I came down in the form of a man. I humbled myself. I died for you. I took the place that you should have taken. I did all of that so that you would be able to do all these things in your life. And now you're sitting here and telling me you can't. You know, God is not a God who's just angry all the time and just, you know, kind of of waiting for you to mess up. And as soon as you mess up, he jumps on you. No. He wants you to realize that you're nothing without him. He wants you to realize that you're powerless without him. But with him, through Christ, you can do all things. In Jesus is where you'll find that victory. You know, when, when Satan tempted Jesus, and I'm going to be uh, finishing up here. When Satan tempted Jesus, he spoke the word of God. He said, man can't live off bread alone. You know, you can't tempt God. Get away from me, Satan. He spoke. When God was creating the earth, he spoke it into existence. He didn't just wave a magic wand like Harry Potter. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Jesus, Jesus you know, when, when they came to, to, to Lazarus' tomb, and everybody's sad, and Lazarus died, and Jesus is just like, Lazarus, arise. And it's really important that he said Lazarus, because he's the Son of God. If he would have just said arise, the whole graveyard would have gotten up. That's why he had to say, Lazarus, arise. He just spoke. Speaking thing is so important. Speaking that victory. Speaking. when you're praying. Just start, just start, just start saying, God, you are, you are, you are Jehovah Jireh you are my provider. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are my banner. You are my victory. You are Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are my doctor. You are Jehovah Ra. You are my shepherd. And start speaking these things. Start learning these names of God. Start learning just saying, God, you are this. You are the provider. You are the healer. You are the giver of life. When you start speaking that, even if you don't feel nothing, something will start changing inside of you. Something will start changing and it won't be something emotional. You won't get this emotional drive that you get at conferences and you're like, yeah, let's go take. No. You'll get something deep. You'll get something real. You'll get that peace that God has. You'll get that joy that God has. If we can all just uh, stand up uh, and we're going to pray right now. There was another, another name about God that I never heard before. Actually, two, two names. One of them was Jehovah Shama, And it means the Lord who is there. The Lord who is there for you. Another one was Jehovah Mekeh The Lord who sanctifies, who cleanses, who purifies. You know, that's, that's what our God is. He's your provider. He's your peace. He is your victory. He's your healer. and we could be standing here and we could be saying it's difficult you know we're, we're living in in a city full of sin everything is horrible around us there are no real prophets of the lord left everything is terrible and we could be having that kind of attitude or we could stand up right now you can grab yourself you could pick yourself up and say no i'm gonna go and take that land yes there's giants but i'm gonna go and take that land yes it's difficult but i'm gonna go and i'm gonna trust in god because he's gonna give me victory it's just about your attitude. It's just about how you're going to go about this. And just in this prayer, I just uh, want you to really realize the power that is inside of you. Start uh, praying. Just start asking God to, to reveal, to reveal the potential that you have, to repeat, to reveal the, the, the power that you have through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you.